Hey, if you love the rewatchables, our entire library of episodes, which is over 180 at this point, they're all available only on Spotify. If you want to hear anything from the past six weeks, that's available everywhere. But if you want the entire library, all the classics that we've done over the last four years, only available on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know it sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half-price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it, all that creamy, soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic Half Price Shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. We're also brought to you by TheRinger.com and the Ringer Podcast Network. Coming up, I guess I'm still too old for this shit. Lethal Weapon 2. Wow, it's next. Mel Gibson and Danny Glover now we're cooking. are coming your way. Everybody's favorite weapon is back. I'll take two of them out, you take one. Better get you take two, I'll take one. Lethal Weapon 2. I'm not a cop tonight, Roger. It's personal. Rated R. Now playing at a theater near you. All right, Chris Ryan is here. Van Lathan is here. It was just me and Chris for Lethal Weapon 1. We brought in the big guns for Lethal Weapon 2. Lethal Weapon 2 is just a better movie. Uh, as much as I love Lethal Weapon 1, Lethal Weapon 2, one of the greatest sequels of all time. We've litigated this before in the podcast, but I'm just going to do it again because uh, our argument is great. Godfather 2 is the greatest sequel of all time. If you're doing the Mount Rushmore, Terminator 2 is in there. I think that's when we brought this back up again. Lethal Weapon 2, Dark Knight, Aliens, Before Sunset, Empire Strikes Back, and there's maybe one or two more. Van, what's your Mount Rushmore? Is Lethal Weapon 2 on it? You don't even have to give them the other three. Is Lethal Weapon 2 on the Mount Rushmore? Um, you know what? It wasn't before this rewatch. I got to be honest with you. I had never thought about it before, but it it is now. I had never thought about it before, but Lethal Weapon 2 is superior to the first in almost every way. You're right about that, but I you, you, you inceptioned that into my mind. I had never <laughs> thought about it before. Chris, I was shocked by how good this movie was. This movie came out 32 years ago, and... Um, it's like they basically perfected the 80s action movie. They took all of the pieces, and we've been covering them a lot on the rewatchables. They took all the pieces that worked, dumped all the pieces that didn't work, 
There's no dead spots in this movie. It fucking moves. I was writing down most rewatchable scenes. I'm like, am I going to have 20 rewatchable scenes? I just was shocked by how good this was. What was your reaction rewatching it? They keyed in on this thing that Glover and Gibson probably uniquely are suited to do with each other because they obviously adore one another, where they basically just make a 1940s screwball comedy on top of a cop action movie. Like, the, the speed of the dialogue, the speed of the performances, like... These guys are like psychic with each other. It's it's like watching two like guys who've played in a jazz combo for their whole lives be together on screen. And you, when you watch it, you're like, I haven't, you know, you realize that there are jokes that you never noticed, even if you've watched the movie a hundred times in your life. Van, is it complicated for I don't want to do- dive into the whole Mel Gibson thing, but he's so unbelievable in this movie. It's mm-hmm. like he's in my opinion, probably the best person you could have in an action movie where he combines like the every guy thing with he's an unbelievable athlete. He's fucking funny. Mm-hmm. You really do believe he can beat anybody in a fight. He's mm-hmm. He managed to kind of carry himself almost like LeBron in round four of the bubble playoffs where just like he's got seven nagging injuries, but and you can kind of feel them all in the last half hour of the movie. It's basically he checks... Every box, I kind of feel like this is why this movie is not discussed because of all the shit that happened with him mm-hmm. and he gets canceled. He, he might have been one of the first people that gets canceled. So we have this weird, complicated relationship with his film library. And yet he's fantastic in this movie. And what, what, rewatching this again, what, how did you deal with that in your head? Well, I had this, this little skit play out where Mel Gibson went to the producers of the movie and he was like, for... The sequel, I want there to be an apartheid subplot. And then they didn't write the apartheid subplot that he thought they were going to write. <laughs> you know, it's like, because the movie is weirdly an anti-racist movie. It, it It's railing on those guys and their power and all of that. So when I watched it, I'm like, I get the same feeling that I get with any of these, man. I get like, damn, you fucked it up, dog. You fucked up Martin Riggs for me because, like, to your point, he is perfect. This is an action comedy without a comedian. Most of these big action comedies that we see, they have a comedian in them. If you're talking about your Rush Hours and your Beverly Hills Cops and your films like that, this movie didn't need one. Like, this, it's so well-written. The chemistry is so undeniable between the leads, and you have a a number one bona fide movie star in your lead position, charismatic, vulnerable, all of that by Mel Gibson, and then he went to Moonshadows a couple of decades later and <laughs> fucked it up. But I'm a, I'm a, but I'm a, I'm gonna pretend like he didn't even do that for the sake of this and just move on from it. But yeah, of course I felt that you feel a little bit of a. Uh, You feel a little sad watching it as you're having the great time that you're having. Yeah, on the scale of one to OJ and the naked gun of how it affects the rewatch, (laughs) it's probably, you forget about the Mel Gibson stuff as it, you know, and he's kind of bounced back weirdly. He's popped into some movies, but I just was watching this thinking like, wow, this guy was a borderline unicorn. All the stuff Bruce Willis does in Die Hard, and I think Bruce Willis is unbelievable in Die Hard, but Gibson is taking all of that. Plus, he's doing nine other things, and you feel bad for him. You're worried about him. You're kind of worried for his sanity that he might snap. 
Um, you totally believe he can get out of any situation. He's fearless. What else am I missing, Chris? It's like the difference between all these other 80s action movies that use basically the same motivation, which is either a threat or the loss of your family. So like, you know, in in so many other like Schwarzenegger movies where it's just like, you came after my daughter. And and like that is Mm. what's motivating him to just go buck wild on people. You get the kitchen scene in Lethal Weapon 2 where he's making chili and he just tells the gold pen story. And you're just kind of like, I'm I'm like weirdly like affected by this. This is crazy. This is Lethal Weapon 2 and I've kind of like stopped everything I'm doing and I'm just watching Gibson kind of like not quite tear up, but it's like the very real human moment when Darlene loves like, yeah, I didn't really mean, you know, I didn't mean to pry. And he's like, well, we've never talked about it. And then he tells the story and you're like, holy shit, I can kind of see exactly where Martin Riggs kind of emerges from out of this incredible tragedy. Yeah, he does a good job of kind of pocketing the damage and then having it spill out in really realistic ways versus like the typical Hollywood hitting you over the head with, hey, this guy's damaged. Here's the scene of him sadly looking at pictures of his dead wife and all that stuff. It's really well handled. I I wrote down- it, like, it, it, Even in a small movie, uh, moment in that scene, just real quick, when he reaches for the pin. Yeah. Like notice when when, when she's got the pin- when he reaches for the pin, the pin might have well been Thor's hammer. It was so heavy in his hand. Like when he, it, I, it that's a brilliant scene. <laughs> like I, yeah. I watched it three or four times last night. When he reaches for the pin, he's like, "Oh my god!" Like he's reaching for all of that grief and all yeah. of that trauma. He's like, "Oh, I keep, I keep losing this." Yeah, yeah, I keep, I keep losing it. Really, because he keeps flirting with moving on. Like he keeps almost losing it because he's got a new family, he's got a new purpose. But every time he tries, it the pin like it pops back up and he has to grab it again. It's like it's amazing. The movie really is fucking amazing. I wrote down Pesci doesn't show up. It's like 27 minutes. And mm-hmm. I wrote down at the 25 minute mark. It's unbelievable how good the first 25 minutes of this and Pesci hasn't even shown up yet. Pesci, it, we can talk about this now. He he was basically nowhere. Go and look at his IMDb. He 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 kind of peaks in Raging Bull. He was in Easy Money with Rodney Dangerfield. By '87, he was in some TV movie called Half Nelson, which they then spun off into like seven episodes of a TV series. Got canceled. This was not a guy who was about to become an A-lister, and he ends up in Lethal Weapon too. He he really did become a phenomenon in this movie. Came the big selling point. Everybody loved this movie. Everybody loved him. And within a couple years, he's doing Betsy's Wedding, Goodfellas, Home Alone, The Super, JFK, My Cousin Vinny, Home Alone 2, Cameo in the Bronx Tale, uh, Jimmy Hollywood with Honors, and then Casino. That's all in six years. Yeah. And it's all because of this movie. But I think what's neat about him in this movie is you do feel like he's playing a character. It, It This doesn't feel like Joe Pesci. Like he's almost doing like a Saturday Night Live character, right? Uh, I, I, this is a hot take. And I, I thought about this a lot. This is a I know where you're going and I think I might support it. This is a superior performance to Goodfellas. Come on, man. Oh, like, oh, oh I'm, no. I'm like, oh, no. here, I'm it, here it, for it, zagging. But come on, uh, Van, man. Come on. Come on, okay. man. Okay, can, can I make the point? <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Can I, can I make the point? Go ahead. I'll make the point. Goodfellas is sort of a one-note, angry Joe Pesci. I watched this movie a couple of times, right? 
a couple of times, and he's not on the screen as much, right? But I watched this a couple of times. He is deep, deep, deep into character here. Like he's, I, I feel like he's showing a little bit more. I, don't get me wrong, because the Pesci and Goodfellas character has been rehashed so many times that I think maybe I'm muted to it because he played the same guy at Casino, and then they yeah. tried to do it again in the Irishman. I, well, not not his character so much, but like to me, I had I had more trouble seeing Joe Pesci in this role than I have seeing him in so many other things that he's kind of been in. Mm. It's it's a it's a hot take, but I I really was impressed with with how he performed in this movie. Like I never paid attention to it as much. I will say that the what he does in this role compared to what it was probably on the page is like a huge huge improvement, right? Like yeah. like I think that Leo gets. I mean, we and we're going to talk about the various versions of the script that that there were before Lethal Weapon two, but like. It, by all accounts, he comes in and he's just like, here's how I think this guy should should be. Here's how I'm going to play him. And Richard Donner's just like, great idea. Go for it. And Hold then, on real quick. I just thought about the... Uh, I just thought about the scene where he's uh, where he's playing the joke on What's-His-Face. I take it back. I take this <laughs> You take your take back? I take my take back. Okay. I just thought about it. Hot take expired. I'm sorry. Recency bias. Go ahead, Chris. It's fine. It's an expirable hot take. Go ahead, it's Chris. Okay. Yeah. That was kind of like the Chinese rocket falling to Earth. <laughs> you know? And it just it burned up on re-entry. <laughs> uh, but, it was, but it was beautiful to watch go up. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even know what I was saying. I was, oh, it wasn't really much of a part on the p- page, I don't think. Yeah. And I think you can just see. I don't even think like the other people who are up for for this part were not like superstars. It wasn't like Anthony Hopkins was up for this role. So it's really interesting to see what he does with so little. Well, it's basically Gibson and Glover are like two buddies who've been playing in the backyard every day on their basketball hoop. And Pesci becomes the adjustable basketball hoop. Where they're like, oh, wow, look at this. We can bring this down to eight feet. We can bring He's just this toy that they can play off of and play with. And you know, this is a relationship movie. I think my favorite, the the action movie I've seen the most times is 48 Hours. That becomes a relationship movie. I, I don't know how it happens. There, there's this uh, switch flips and all of a sudden those guys love each other. But that's why we had such high hopes for the sequel was it was like, oh, they'll really dive into it. It goes the opposite. They screw it up. This was like, they had a really nice relationship from the first movie and they built on it. And I was doing some of the research on it. I was reading one of the old premiere magazines about it from uh, 89. And they were basically, Donner said he felt like this was the Lethal Weapon 1 and a half, not Lethal Weapon 2. He wanted it to be a mm. continuation of it, to dive into their relationship in a better way, to make it almost seem like that. At this point, they're an old married couple, which is why that chili scene you mentioned is so important. But Pesci comes in as the toy that they can play with. And that becomes a blueprint now for, what, 30-plus years of action movies? We Mm -hmm. try to even see them in the sequels. It was like, Chris Rock, he's going to be the new Pesci. And and it just wasn't as good, to be honest. But um, we've seen this in action movies constantly. You have the basic main people, and then they try to give them the toys. I think this movie invented that, and I think probably did the best job. I don't know about your Goodfellas take, though, Van. Yeah. I don't know if I can back on that one. No, you know what it was? It was it, it was me watching the film last night and being so overly impressed because like mm. even even when he's in the uh, he's in the back seat of the car he's about to go on the legendary they fuck you at the drive through thing. There's a point there to where he says okay, 
I counted them eight times. And and I'm thinking to myself, whoa, are there eight okays in the script? Like it 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 like he's just he's really deep into the character, and that's a character he's never played again. But nah, I just thought about it. No, he was, no, you're was a, Bill. Was, you're right. Like the the playing with the toy scene. Like when he shows up, when they show up at the hotel, and he's like. Oh, old six shooter! I didn't know they made those. And he I had a wheel gun, and yeah. then he's just like, "I bet the kid has an automatic." Like it's just like he's ba- bouncing in between those two guys, mm-hmm. and it, it just it, you can just tell they're having the time of their lives. It's really great. And I was I was looking at the box office mojo for this year, and man, what did we do to deserve nineteen eighty nine? Just so many, so many winners, so many bangers. Batman came out that year. Oh my God. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I know Van loves. Lethal Weapon 2 was the third biggest movie of 89. Um, We had the Look Who's Talking, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids combo. Back to the Futures 2, Ghostbusters 2. It's funny, this year is being criticized as like, all right, why are we doing all these sequels? But yet a lot of the sequels were really good. And we also had... We drive Miss Daisy. We had Parenthood, Dead Poets Society, When Harry Met Sally, War of the Roses, Steel Magnolias, Christmas Vacation, uh, Born on the Fourth of July, Field of Dreams, Tango and Cash, Vance's favorite Harlem Nights. I love Harlem Nights. Yeah, Sea yeah. of Love, Pacino's Comeback, Major League. Um, it's it just goes on and on. And what are there it, like 10, 15 rewatchables in there? Oh are my we, god! Yo, I just gotta be real. Are we getting? Is it a function of a serious question? Tangent. Is it a function of us getting older, or is it, or do they just not make them like they used to? No, no, that it's a hundred percent. This is not a this is not a Charles Barkley on the TNT set complaining about too many threes. They don't they don't make movies like this. Think anymore, about how it? many different genres Bill just rattle off, and think about how many of those movies are essentially like either a a romantic comedy or just like a good drama like Dead Poets or something like that. Think that just, those are just movies that they just don't make anymore. By yeah. the way, I'm going to keep going. Lean on me, Weekend at Bernie's, Roadhouse, Do the Right Come Thing. Come on, man. Glory, Sex Lies and Video sh- Tape, Lock Up, Say Anything. I mean, it's just, it's an amazing run. I, I think part of it is you have a lot of the directors who were influenced by the 70 guys finally able to make movies like Spike and Cameron Crowe and people like that. But then you also just, you know, there was more. Oh, fabulous Baker Boys was in there too. Crimes and Misdemeanors. Yeah, yeah. This is eighty nine. Is is just. There's bonkers. also like a, you know, like there was just so much less competition for attention back then. That I, yeah. I mean, I because I still so distinctly remember the pandemonium around Batman when it came out, and yeah, like the lines down the block to get into it, and it was like movies were pretty much like the central cultural experience you could have back then. You know what I mean? Like rap was exploding and like there were different musics that were like obviously growing at that point. But like, I feel like that was like pre TV being like, Oh, you got to stay home and watch this great TV show. It was like, you went to the movies. That's what people yeah, you went did. to the movies pretty much every weekend. I was looking at premiere magazine. They do the, the uh, fall movie preview issue and they had it for 1990. So I was just thumbing through it. It got to the holiday part. And there were like 20 movies. It was yeah. like Godfather 3, Goodfellas. It, it just like, mm. it kept going. I'm like, oh my God. How did we have, now we would be lucky if we had three movies that weren't comic. Van, I, I don't mean to piss on comic book movies. I know I know you love them. No, it's, but, getting, it's, it's getting to be too much. I'm longing for the days of Tango and Cash. Tango and Cash is a delightful R-rated romp. It's, yeah. a, it's a mutated baby 
uh, of sort of Lethal Weapon and Beverly Hills Cop. It, but it it still worked. It's like one of my favorite films. And it's would be the twentieth or thirtieth best movie on the list that you just that you just rattled off, and they just simply don't make films like that anymore. Every film has to be IP. Every film has to be. Uh, it's like it's like almost every film is a. It's not the movies are not movies anymore. They're more marketing engines for either the stars of the films or the IP that they represent. It, and I, I don't know it feels weird for me to be railing on this as a 41-year-old guy. Everybody else is like, hey, fuck you. But I'm saying, <laughs> like, it, it it just, nobody comes with up with a, uh, with a cool idea and then goes to make a movie anymore. They go, okay, let's take your idea and then use it to reboot some yeah. IP that we've had 15, 20 years ago. It's just, and that's not me being a dick. I'm just saying that's a really diverse, uh, in terms of story at least, group of films that were executed with a, a lot of hard people just going out there to tell a story. It's like, it's a different time. Well, most important, Van, just your resume has been accepted for the Tango and Cash Oh my God, I can, that was, can you imagine? In. It's an incredible 20-second uh, resume <laughs> hand in, and it's been accepted. Because <laughs> that movie is off the chains. Oh my God. Hey, producer, producer Craig, have you seen Tango and Cash? No, I haven't. Oh my it's god! So fucking, you're, so what, you're, what, are the, what are the great prison movies of all time? <laughs> it's also one of the great. Wait a second! Wait a second! What is the plot of this movie? <laughs> I know. Or they're just like they go back into prison Terry and Hatcher it's like is, is Stallone's sister in that movie, right? Yeah, right. Kurt Russell. Yeah. Oh my god! It's, yeah. it's really it's a special movie. Anyway, uh, with Lethal Weapon, we have to mention two more things. For, I mean, the context of every weekend, there's some banger coming out. And for this movie to kind of climb above the heap and become the third biggest movie that year is is no small achievement. There are a lot of good ones. The villains in oh this movie, this is too good for what's aged the best. Thank you so much for doing this. I was worried that if I, I said it's it, it's too you good would be for like, what's aged the best. Save it. Save no, it. it's too good. It, I mean, Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's where we probably peaked with villains. We actually have an arc melting all of them at the end of the movie. Spoiler alert. This one, South African Aryan bad guys capped off with the leader of it, who's just the most evil, perfect, I hate this guy guy I think we've ever had. And then he's got his henchman who's got literally the Hitler haircut. He's, he's Hitler. got the comb over. Yeah. He's missing everything but like a little wispy mustache. And it's just, they nail it. The accents are great. What what are they missing? Is there, is there any holes in their villain no, resume, they Chris? they don't have it. There's no nuance. There's no ambiguity. There's no, well, maybe these guys had a point. There's no like, oh, they're cool like Hans Gruber. These are pieces of shit that you want Riggs <laughs> to fuck up. Like you want him to fuck them up. And it is like, it's so thrilling when he fucking brings the stilt house down you're yeah. like get in their ass rigs do it yeah they're mm -hmm. just basically they have evil accents and a lot of money i don't really understand any other thing they have going on as villains cougar it's rands just, are the original bitcoin bill you gotta get, get, <laughs> I gotta get on the cougar end. there's Wait. just trunks full of stuff and yachts and i i guess they're stealing stuff it's not really explored i don't really care it's like having 40 bond villains at once right van yeah and it's they're using very simple terms to explain their evil nature to the audience. They're rich. They want to get richer. They don't care about the rules. And they're racist. <laughs> Those are the reasons why you hate these guys. Yes. We don't need to go back into what happened to them in childhood and make them three-dimensional characters. They're cutting corners, and they hate black people. 
It's like, boom. Riggs, Riggs is the opposite of them. Riggs loves black people. He's a member of a black family. Right. <laughs> like, really, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a, a television show here where Riggs actually gets adopted by Roger in some reverse fucking different strokes type of shit. <laughs> right. Like, he's a member of their family. It's like all of us together. It's like Riggs. It's chilly man. night. Riggs is cooking again. R Riggs is cooking again. He's putting, he's putting like produce into the chili. He's cutting up big ass onions. Y'all know what he was doing. But anyway, uh, so yeah, and, it's, and they just give it to you simple. These guys are going to win. These guys are going to lose. Boom. I love that they were like, hey, did we make these guys evil enough? And it's and like, they, oh no, let's they have also, a meeting. Yeah, no, they actually, they actually, he was, uh, no mustache Hitler was actually the guy who killed Riggs' it's wife. It's so weird because you get to that point and you're just like, man, I, I hate these guys. Like, there's <laughs> right. no, there's, I, there's, I have no mixed feelings. There's yeah. no like, I don't know. Oh, you've won, you won me over. The you bad have my hatred. You're so cool in this movie. It's like, you're just like, I cannot wait for these guys to get mowed down. And then it's like, and then they also killed Vicky. You know, yeah, I, I can't right. believe it. It's 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 a shame because I think there was a ton of potential for racist South Africans as villains. You know, you think about mm. in the eighties, we had a you know you had cartels, you had Libyans, you had Russians. Like there was all types of of villains in eighties action movies. But Lethal Weapon was a one and done with the South African villains. Man, the South African racists just were. You couldn't do better than this. This is it. Literally, is Apex Mountain for South yeah, African villains. It is true. If you do like cartels, like. Ultimately, fundamentally, those guys are just driven by money, which mm -hmm. you can make them as evil as possible and they could kill whoever. For these guys, they're also motivated by They've money. Got but, ideology. But, but also this horrible ideology that you're like, <laughs> oh, I double hate these guys, which is a yeah. really hard thing to achieve. You know, the, the thing about it was that it was touchy, right? There was a huge divestment call that was in the, I guess, all throughout the 80s. Yeah, but they not going to play Sun City. Yeah, but there they were there were places that didn't want to do it. There was people that were in business with South Africa, and it wasn't. And obviously, we're going to talk about Shane Black at some point during this uh, during this podcast, and just the I'm sure you guys talked about it in the other one. Just the absolute sort of storm that he was as a screenwriter and as a creative. He was just like the first rock star that I got. He's the first time I can remember hearing about the guy who wrote the movie. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Um, at least being at the age I was at then, but yeah, so it wasn't. I think that it wasn't cut and dry. I think a lot of I think a lot of films had some the, the product placement was starting to become a big deal, and a lot of these companies weren't fully divested from South Africa. I can remember my my siblings being in college at the time, being like, "Yo, we got to get this person to divest and get this person to divest and and whatever." And by the time a lot of companies did, you know, we're only talking about a couple of more years to where things changed in South Africa. So maybe people missed the boat because it was a real political issue. Yeah. I remember, I remember you too. Like that was like a big thing for you too, was like them not playing in certain venues there or not yeah. touring to there. Yeah. It would almost be like if there were like a lot of NBA players with business in China, China. Uh, oh, exactly. Oh, oh. Right, yeah. Wait, I mean, wait. to be real with you, right now, that's your point, though. Like, we can't do a bunch of movies. Do you remember the the Red Dawn remake that they did? Fucking terrible, I'd have to say. Uh, the Red, we didn't need just, it. The Red Dawn remake. They actually changed the villains from the Chinese to the North Koreans because China's a huge market, and we're ready to say fuck China, but only with a small F. 
<laughs> so we can't be like big about whatever's going on over there because we don't want to miss out on the back. Right. Just like the NBA. Yeah. Just like the NBA. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and then get to the uh, first of the categories in one second. This episode is supported by State Farm. Think about your first reaction after you have an accident. What do you do? You scream, oh no, or man, oh, why did this happen? On the flip side, let's say you buy a new car or you lease a new car. Get in there and it smells great and you're like, man, this is awesome. But just remember, really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor. State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. This episode is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Spring comes with a lot of chores because, you know, spring cleaning. One thing you can clean up right away, your phone bill. Just switch to Mint Mobile. They have unlimited talk, text, data plans for $15 a month when you buy a three-month plan. $15 a month. That's like you can subscribe to two movie channels for that. I mean, what a great deal. Also, super easy to switch plans. Everyone gets so intimidated by, oh, my God, I don't know if I should switch my plan. It's not that hard. To get this new customer offer, go to mintmobile.com slash rewatch. That's us. That's mintmobile.com slash rewatch. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 a month for a first three-month plan only. Speeds slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. You know, I was going to do this for... Have fascinating research, but I think it's important to talk about the Shane Black thing now that uh, Van brought up. This was a really strange time where all of a sudden we had superstar screenwriters mm -hmm. because it was Shane Black, but then we also had Joe Esterhouse with Basic Instinct in 92. And there was just, you know, Hollywood evolves from the 60s and 70s where they start buying books as IP. Um, Robert Stigwood buys a New York Magazine article that becomes Saturday Night Fever and they start thinking of IP in all these different ways. It goes through the 80s. And then eventually they realize screenwriters just creating new IP. Maybe we should throw money at that. Shane Black was one of the first people that happened to Lethal Weapon 1. He's That fucks him up. He has a whole bunch of issues, but he did write the Lethal Weapon 2 script and he's been pretty open about how cool it was. Riggs dies in the end. It's He... He has considered it the, his best piece of writing. It is, Which is no small thing. No if he's saying, this is the best thing I wrote, that means it was good. And he's, you know, he obviously has written like a critically acclaimed movie in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. A lot of people think the Iron Man 3 is at least the best Iron Man movie, if not one of the best Marvel movies. I mean, he's got a bunch of really, really, obviously Last Boy Scout. But this movie, this script that he wrote is just not available online. So it's one of these cool things that is just like the legend that you, like I, I've I've read the same description and this script's called Play Dirty. It's, I guess it was, maybe it was Lethal Weapon Play Dirty or whatever, but you read the description and it is a pretty different movie and it is a different outcome. And it to, to your point about it being Lethal Weapon 1.5, it would have put the perfect capstone on the rig story. I don't think it would have been the popular sensation. I don't think people would have been like, I'm going to go see that movie three times in the theaters, but it would have been like the perfect endpoint of the Riggs character. 
And yet, a brilliant decision not to kill off Riggs. Yeah. If we're just talking about fundamentally, they were able to make at least two more. Probably there's a fifth one that might be coming at some point. Maybe not with Gibson, but um, I think it was smart to keep them alive. At the same time, this really did sound like a cool movie. Apparently, it was really dark, really bloody. And at the end, Shane Black has said Riggs has to basically sacrifice his life for Murtaugh for this family that he has joined. Um, it's it's going to be either one of the two of them. I don't know what what the actual thing was, but they have a. It's and like that's Rig, how it is. Riggs has a fight with Peter basically in a in a forest fire, like in a fire in the hills, like, and then he goes out to like, yeah, you're right, sacrifice himself for him. So then, when they actually film this movie. Um, they filmed two different versions of the ending and they had Riggs die in one of the endings. The test audiences were obviously like, what the fuck? How do you, you can't kill Riggs. So then they used a different ending, but the original ending, he dies in Glover's arms and then the cameras come back with the helicopters, like how it is in the actual ending. But in the, then they filmed the other side where they're laughing and then it films up and that's, that's how it played out. Uh, Van, good decision not to kill Riggs, I'm guessing. In your mind, or would you have would you have gone for the the glory of just like the unbelievable Toy Story three type ending, and that's it? No, of course it was a good decision not to okay. kill Riggs. And by the way, Chris, some of the uh, some of the nerd contingent is going to be all over you about that Iron Man three take. It's a very controversial movie. I happen to love it, but some people is it that is that the hipster take? Is like it, Iron Man no, three? Not no. not to me. I think it's great, but some people are going to be like, I hate Iron Man three. The only good Iron Man was Iron Man one. I liked it, but you know, it's very controversial. I first. just wish I could have been a fly on the wall when Donner first got the script for Play Dirty for the for the Shane Black version of this, <laughs> and there is allegedly a scene where a plane full of cocaine explodes over Los Angeles, coating L.A. in like a dusting of cocaine. <laughs> and what Donner wow. would just be like, huh? <laughs> so okay, and he just gets out his red marker. He's like, well, we're just we're gonna put a pin in this one and maybe, maybe come back to it. Never Shane Black's that. like, and it will be real cocaine too. <laughs> not, we're not using sugar. <laughs> oh, by the way, I went to uh, a party at Shane Black's house um, hmm. for New Year's one one year. What movie do you think? he had the most memorabilia of all throughout his house. I would say Last Boy Scout. It was Iron Man 3. Yeah. Oh. What was the party was, like? Uh, <laughs> 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 well, Chris, I think you've been invited uh, with the Midnight Boys for Iron Man 3. I yeah. think you earned your invitation. We're going to remake Iron Man Tango and Cash at Shane Black's house. <laughs> <laughs> right. New Year's Eve, I think like 2018 or something like that. It was fun. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> So yeah. this movie, they spent $30 million. <laughs> it would have been a lot more if they blew up a plane of cocaine. <laughs> they It made $227.9 million, led to a couple more sequels, um, both of which were made in the 90s. Roger Ebert, three and a half stars. Of course. Mm-hmm. Quote, oh Lethal Weapon 2 is that rarity, a sequel with most of the same qualities as the original. I agree. I would even yeah. say that that it had better qualities than the original, but uh, Raj was Raj was in. So can I can I just make one statement about the 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 one versus two thing? Yeah, go. On paper, Lethal Weapon One is a mo- more coherent movie than Lethal Weapon Two. Like I understand why everybody's like Lethal Weapon Two dusts Lethal Weapon One. It's a much more fun hang. It's a much funnier movie. It's got like these incredible sequences. I'm just saying that like the story of Lethal Weapon One does make more sense than 
Like, why are these, like, so these South African guys are just operating without impunity, bringing in cocaine, killing cops' wives, like, having gunfights, having Uzis, and, like, they just throw up their card and say diplomatic immunity, and now there's a fight with this at, at this shipyard. Like, Lethal Weapon 1 actually kind of makes sense. I think that's a fair point. And you, I think so, too. Yeah, and you would also think, like, they would have at least hinted at the South Africans in Lethal Weapon 1. Right. But I Even as this, a throwaway line. I think... The reason why people love Lethal Weapon 2 more, a lot of it has to do with just the character of Riggs himself. Mm-hmm. The, just, Riggs in the first film was such a live wire and such a, uh, an unpredictable guy, right? So crazy that it like it's heartwarming to see him settle in in this movie. Mm. And even though he's settled in, there's, he's still as uh, fierce... He's still as brave. It's just like you watch it, and you even to watch the scene where they're watching the the condom commercial, which is a fucking fantastic scene. So right? good. It's just fun to watch that guy get drawn back into reality with this family. And even as I say this, once again, Mel, why'd you fuck this up, man? Why'd you fuck it up? <laughs> I, I watched that scene. It's so good and so believable. I'm like, Mel, why? Well, like, why, Mel? Why? Anyway. Uh, <laughs> that Jesus. that'll be our social media breakout for this where you fan just going why Mel, Mel why Mel I can't not do it Mel Mel Gibson said the single most racist thing I've ever heard anybody ever say <laughs> it is the single most racist thing Mel Gibson told Oksana if you get blanked by yes. a pack of a pack of n-words a pack like we run around in packs Mel reduced us to wolves in Yellowstone. Mel. Anyway, love the movie though. <laughs> let's let's all about the categories. <laughs> <laughs> Most rewatchable scene. Um, God damn, this movie it's comes out so flying. Hard. Yeah, you know, sometimes with rewatchable movies, it's almost better to catch them twenty five minutes in. The forty eight hours is like that. You kind of want to catch it right when he's going to visit Reggie Hammond. Um, but all the way through with action movies, it's okay if you skip the first 15, 20. Die Hard's like that too. Die Hard, it's like, you really want him when he's in the Nakatomi Tower. Maybe he's cleaning up in, in Bonnie Bedelia's office. And then that's where you want to kind of join it. This one, you want to join it when you see the opening credits. You're like, we're off right away. The opening car chase, it's great. Uh, we get to see Mel Gibson running and contemplate his place in the great actor movie running pantheon, which I think he's the Usain Bolt of actors. It's him and Terminator 2 guy in the finals. Robert Cruise. Patrick. Yeah, yeah. Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Cruise. Okay. Tough semifinals loss for Cruise to Robert I w- Patrick. I would actually say there's a late arriving, and again, recency bias, John David Washington case to be made. Oh, I agree. Oh, that's think, a good I- one. That's almost like, not fair. He played football in college. I know. I don't, I'm just saying, I don't know. He's but, like busting but, ass. You know who else runs a lot? Like Snipes. Snipes, yeah. good runner. Snipes used to get his motor on too. Good runner. Uh, mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy, secretly pretty good runner. He had that kind of a jog sprint thing that he had in a couple mm-hmm. different movies that I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, this opening car chase, we get Mel Gibson running, get an awesome Gibson Glover uh, 1940s comedy cop argument. And I fucking love when they go into the police station and the guys start betting. 
and and the guys and they make the bet and he's like, wait a second, I know nothing about the wife station wagon. The bet's off. <laughs> Fucking kills me. Just like all the nuances of those cops, they nail with the rubbers and all that stuff. That's one of the best parts of this movie. Anyway, that opening car chase is amazing, and then it goes right to the straight jacket scene. How the hell did you do that, man? Well, I dislocated my shoulder one time, and I can just do whatever I want to now. Oh goddamn, man! Does that hurt? Yeah. It does, but not as much as when I put it back in. Oh, my God. That was our so- next scene after we do this whole giant, amazing car chase is him trying to get out of a straitjacket. Everybody talks about like our video games bad for kids. Is, is movie violence bad for kids? Let me tell you something. Being an impressionable teenager when oh I saw God. this movie and being yeah. like, wait, can I pop my shoulder out and pop it back in again? <laughs> that so seems sweet. fucking awesome. That's yeah. a terrible, terrible, terrible example to set for kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I love that scene. I, I don't even know how they came up with this, but it's so great for so many levels. It shows how athletic, how much pain he can endure. Also and him it, in a straitjacket. It's Chekhov's shoulder dislocation because he uses it when he gets almost drowned. Absolutely, they come back to it, and also he's a masochist a little bit. Like he, right. and that's why I love the little trope of the the the, psych, the psychiatrist popping up in, in that yeah. scene every time he does something crazy, almost like she's Jiminy Cricket or something. But he's willing to do that on a whim for a bet to win a stat. He's willing to put himself through that type of pain. So think about the type of pain he's willing to put himself through for something that's righteous or something that matters, if he'll just do that on a random day at the at the, at the the station, you know? One thing I would character. love to hear if we have any uh, any listeners who may have served in, like, the police force in the 80s is, was it, was it a truism that, like, if a bunch of downtown was destroyed in a car chase, that the police department was liable for the bill? Because in this movie and in Beverly Hills Cop, the captain's yeah. like... You know how much damage you caused downtown, and now the department's got to pay for it. It's like, does that how that works? Like, does the department yeah. have to pay for all the mailboxes that got destroyed and all the farmers markets that got driven through mm-hmm. <laughs> in also, action movies? Yeah, you have that, and then also, why were '80s cops so like brilliantly sarcastic all the way around yes, in every every point? That that we went away from that somehow by well, the these, 2000s. These guys aren't just brilliantly sarcastic. They're brilliant. So, so like, think about it. They find the Cougaran, right? And they go, don't you remember the triangle trade? Like, uh, slaves to rum. To the, the police don't know nothing about that shit. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just being for real. Like, all of the things that they keep talking about, even in the car, and they go, uh... Uh, Alva Barden and he's like oh Hitler's girlfriend and he, and then uh, Murtaugh goes no that's Eva Braun come on man <laughs> like they, they don't know that shit they don't know nothing about that shit but these guys are smart yeah capable cops we need we go- need co- cops gotta start watching more Jeopardy that's what we Cops got to get, they gotta get some more trivia. Yeah. yeah. I think Mark Furman might have single-handedly ruined this narrative in the mid 90s. Right. Dude, right, that cops knew what was going on. The cops had a sense of humor. It was just, it, it immediately ended overnight. Um, the chili scene we mentioned, that scene is just really important. I was supposed to be meeting her for dinner and, uh, you know, one of those romantic dinners for two. Well, I was up to my eyeballs in work and uh, I forgot about the whole thing. 
I guess she waited at the restaurant for an hour before she decided to drive home alone. And midnight before I got home, I got home to a ringing phone, so naturally I answered it. They told me she was killed in a car crash. I should have been driving it. I guess we'd have been all right, huh? Anyway, I remember falling down on my knees and I started shaking all over and I remember thinking I'm losing it. I'm just losing it. So there I was, lying on the living room floor. Lying there. And I'm seeing under the couch. And I see this gold pen. Gold pen just lying there under the couch. I've been looking for it everywhere. I've been looking for it. I haven't seen it in two months. There it is. She wasn't much of a housekeeper. And his voice goes off inside my head, you know, kind of like a drill instructor. I really heard it. It said, get up now. I didn't feel like it, but I got up. Muscles were still working. And I drove to the hospital and uh, identified her in the morgue. And uh, signed her out with my gold pen. Uh, I wouldn't say it's the most rewatchable scene out of everything we're going through here, but it's a really, really important scene for the Riggs character. And um, one, one of the movies, one of the reasons the movie's special, Pesci, Pesci shows up. Immediately, there's an evil 80s room service guy <laughs> who's even got the little mullet. Like, he's just right. He could have easily, you could have put him in Roadhouse. You could have put him in Tango and Cash. It didn't matter what movie this guy was in. He had to be in one of them. And he shows up at the room service, pulls out the gun terribly, Pesci. And then all of a sudden, they're all going out the pool he's window. He's so obviously a South African villain when he sh shows up. Oh, my God. <laughs> and they're like, oh, cool, burger and fries. And he's like, hello, burger. gentlemen. And then hello. it's just like, this guy is not room service. <laughs> would you Would you like to eat kaffa? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like the, the, whole, the whole thing. Boy, that, by the way, man. I gotta be honest with you. We didn't know what Kaffa meant when that came out, but we tried it on. <laughs> <laughs> like we, we we tried it on. We we tried to, to say it until my mom put a stop to that shit. Oh my yeah. god! My mom was like, "Look, I don't need another vile word coming out of y'all mouths. Stop looking at all of this." But now I had never heard of it before, man. That's Bill, what, that's we gotta address one thing though, and I don't know. I I was gonna ask you this. So I I originally thought that the hotel Leo's staying in is in like um, Century City or something. It's the J Dub. That it's was the, the downtown it's original J Dub. It's, it's the, the J Dub. It's the original one. A, it's not the one in LA Live though. I, LA so Live where, wasn't built yet. Was, where was the J Dub? You were downtown. So that was the J Dub where like the standard is now in in the oh, original downtown okay. LA. Oh yeah. See, okay. I thought that it was the same J Dub, and they had like refurbished no. it or fucking like no. That J Dub was the parking lot for. Uh, the Staples Center. Okay. For until basically 2009. Gotcha. The pool drop, I forgot how cool and amazing and awesome that was. I, I just had just kind of forgotten that was in the movie and he's going out the window and they fall. And it's just a great stunt. Great 80s movie stunt. It's also no CGI. a great way of like redoing something from the first movie because they have the pool shootout in the yeah. first movie and it's just like, oh, they fall in and then like the, the pool cover's there. But like in this one, it's like, let's up the ante a little bit. Uh, I have the house bus slash uh, car chase. The surfboard. Which, the surfboard. Jeez. All that stuff. That That whole scene, like... It's crazy. There's like four awesome scenes like that in this movie that just have a beginning, middle, end with lots of action followed by some sort of uh, money shot. Um, the toilet scene. So um, I'm old enough to remember this. In the original trailer was the toilet scene. Yes. Mm. 
and that was just the trailer because it was like we don't need to actually show a real trailer. People know what Lethal Weapon is, and they just started with the toy with the toilet scene, and that was it. And that's how they promoted the movie, and it worked. It made me mm-hmm. want to go see it. Uh, we do you want to talk about the toilet scene now, as opposed to what's age the best toilets? Yeah. <laughs> well, so here's what I have written down: one of the great action movie scene premises, I think, of all time. Yep. Mm-hmm. Everyone's worst nightmare to sit on a toilet that has a bomb on it after you've finished your business. I think is way up there, at least for me. I don't know about you guys. Maybe it's lower for you guys. <laughs> um, I, how long was he there? How, I have like twelve 18 hours. Twelve eighteen they said, hours. Yeah, they said because his legs are his legs are numb. They mm-hmm. don't really hint at what the smell situation is there. I think I, they that's just, the thing that always jumps out at me. Is like. He's got a, a toilet full of shit, and yeah. everybody's coming in there acting like they don't smell it. Just kind of ignore just, it. Why don't we all just agree that he makes the decision that he can flush, it and it won't set the bomb off. The only thing that will get set the bomb off is, is if he stands up. No, because he went to go. He noticed the toilet paper, which means he was reaching for the toilet paper. I know, but I know. he doesn't say. As he, as I was sitting down, I noticed this on the toilet paper. It was, and I'm reaching for the toilet paper, which means he was sitting on his own stink bomb for like 12, 18 hours. <laughs> None of the characters mentioned this. I just think it's a really weird choice to not have somebody be like, at least like wave something from their nose. Um, what kind of hemorrhoid does Glover get from that? 18 hours. Like that violates just Google sit this on the toilet. This is gonna be my long. most rewatchable scene, and you're really going out of your no, way I just to like suck all the romance out of it. Mm-hmm. And uh him saying guys like you don't die in toilets. Why didn't he plant a bomb in Trisha's stove? <laughs> <laughs> Think of all the needless suffering could have ended right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gonna die on the toilet, aren't I? Guys like you don't die on toilets. Anyway, I'm here and I'm not planning on going just now. Okay. Let's do it. One of the better lines we've Come had on, in a movie. Man. And when Jarvis is like out rigs, get out, and he's just like, nope. No. Nope. Nope. And then he's just like, this guy, he's been sitting on this thing for 12 hours. He's not going to be able to move. I'm I'm going to go with him. I'm doing this with him. The the best part of that scene, though, Danny Glover always reminds me so much of my dad. By the way, I have a theory that this movie actually was terrible for Danny Glover's career. Uh, or these two movies. But like Danny Glover always reminds me of my dad, right? And the scene where he's he he says it without saying it. He mm-hmm. looks at him. That's exactly what my pops does. That that whole deal. He looks at him, and he he just does it with his eyes. And then Riggs goes, "Yeah," and then he goes, "I mean it, man." He said, "I love you." Yeah. He's like, Riggs I love is like, you, I know. Bro. I know. Yeah. yeah. He's like, I I I I I know. It's just Shane Black just got it, and those yeah. guys are like playing a symphony together. It's so amazing. I don't know if it's ever worked this well in a movie since. I gotta be honest with you. That type of chemistry. Uh, from your two leads, it's just it's great. That whole scene, the way they orchestrated Riggs finding him, and then I love when he's like, "Riggs, don't don't use the open channel, man. Come on, like." And he's just like, yeah. "Oh no, yeah, absolutely." And like zips his, and then the next cut is just like the sirens and all the bomb squads, <laughs> the whole and all the fucking cops. department. Yeah. yeah, it's also realistic that they get out of it. 
Is the it? way they set it up where, no, 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 it's ludicrous. But the way they set it up, I actually buy it where it's like, all right, I'll pull you into this specially sealed off bathtub we've created and somehow this is going to be okay. It shouldn't yeah. have been okay. I'm, I assume in real life they blow up every time, but they set it up the way they film it. It just seems like it, all right, that might actually might happen. Even uh, if they even if they lived through it, they would have concussions that would take them out of the mix for like two weeks oh and be God. bleeding out of their ears from the explosion sounds. Yeah, the fucking C4 blew a, <laughs> a, a, a foot away from them. Yeah, it, it fucked you up a little bit. I had that in the nitpicks, the... There's definitely some hearing issues after that. That would explosion. have been amazing. Yeah. If like it, he, he tries to have a relationship with Patsy Kenzo, he's like, what? No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I, you want, I was going to make some chili. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Uh, tinnitus. Um, I love, I mean, this scene's ridiculous. It's so good when Gibson breaks into the office to confront all the guys. They don't just kill oh, him right away. Yeah. yeah. I don't know That's, why they, he's, he should be shot in five seconds. But when he does the well, 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 it's the master race. <laughs> so good, it's so fucking good. Well, it's the the, the master race, and then he's got that's that's mine. I love that scene. Well, well, it's the master race. <laughs> I hope you realize the trouble you are in right now. Well, as usual, you people have got everything all upside down and turned around and back to front, gentlemen. Show Officer Riggs into the street. I love when he shoots the fish tank, and I love when the evil guy's like, Pick him up with the, your hands. Pick them up with your hands. <laughs> <laughs> like, how else would you pick them up with your feet? Uh, I really like that scene. Gibson's trailer getting shot up is just a great action movie scene. I don't know how he survives, but that's the point of all these movies. But I like when he's escaping with Patsy Kenzie and he's like, What are you doing Saturday? Like they would just had the date. Um, Good, good Palos Verdes kind of scenery there, Chris. Yeah, I love that. Palos it. Verdes, a location not really explored a lot in, in the movies, <laughs> but very beautiful. Gorgeous. Um, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. <laughs> and the Palos Verdes people, they made a pact. Don't tell anybody how cool it is here. It's like one of those places. I, I, I used to, during the pandemic, when I was trying to find, we used to just drive up there. I'm like, yeah. yo, who lives up here? No, like, they don't hey, want anyone a, to know. It's no. a cult. It's a beautiful you can see all the way to malibu and it's it's clear and nice and they've got a whole little community up there zoe had a soccer game there once when she was like seven or eight and it was like on a cliff it was soccer field <laughs> on a cliff and you could just see all the lane. we're like where are we <laughs> people live here what is this uh pretty cool place uh all right Riggs escapes they don't kill Riggs. i guess we could do that in Pick and Knits later, but uh, they decide to put him in the straight jacket, which is perfect. You know where it's going the moment yeah. you see him in the straight jacket. Um, pretty iconic image of when he's underwater and he sees dead Patsy Kensett. Mm. It's a, it's for some reason those underwater things. It's like that in Jaws too, and Dreyfus sees the guy, yeah, the dead guy's head. For some reason, people seeing things underwater out of nowhere. Well, they look like they kind of stick in your brain yeah. for some reason. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that whole scene's really good. Um, Riggs, I can't believe how many rewatchable seats are. Riggs yanks the house down off the stilts. <laughs> what a great advertisement for pickup trucks. So this cost mm -hmm. $500,000. Mm. Um, they made a replica of the house. I read about this. Premier Magazine did a shot-by-shot -shot breakdown of this scene. 
for for like the November 1989 issue. They built a replica of the actual house so they didn't have to tear down. But they, the house that it seems like they're tearing down is a real house. And then they redid it and uh, did that whole thing. And then I got Gibson versus Adolf, the, the big fight scene at the end that you know is coming. Uh, Glover shoots him. Diplomatic immunity. He shoots the bad guy. It's just been revoked. Classic 80s. 80s, so you always have to have that little plan where it's saying, did I miss any rewatchable scenes? Because I think I have 12. I, I got I think one. You did. I got one. Yeah. I, I didn't want to have 20, but add, add some more. Drop cloth uh, scene. The drop cloth scene. He's just like, he's like, when he's like, you, you lost a million of our dollars, you know, like, and, <laughs> and he's like drinking an Amstel out of a glass and eating right. his dinner. So I, I love the, that scene with the drop cloth. Um, they fuck you in the drive-thru. Oh my God. Yeah. Hey Leo, don't eat the tuna. Oh, where were you? I just said that. I'm not eating this. Oh, I'm not eating tuna. Good. Come on, let's go back. Hey, we're not going back, so just shut up. Oh, sure. Don't go back. Okay, okay, don't go back. That's it. That's oh, what they God. want. Let me tell you, can I give you two guys a friendly piece of advice, okay? Don't ever go up to the drive-thru, okay? Always walk up to the counter. You know why? Okay, okay, okay. Okay. They fuck you at the drive-thru, okay? They fuck you at the drive-thru. They know you're gonna be miles away before you find out you got fucked, okay? They know you're not gonna turn around and go back. So they don't care who gets fucked. Oh, Leo gets. Okay, sure. I don't give a fuck. I'm not eating this tuna, okay? They 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 fuck you in the drive-thru is brilliant. So brilliant that they 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 brought it back. They fuck you with the cell phones. You know, it, it, but it, they fuck you in the drive-thru is just so hilarious. <laughs> He's so upset about the tuna. He he thinks that the drive-thru people, this is the funniest thing about they fuck you in the drive-thru, which it happens, you know, it happens when you go through the drive-thru. He thinks they're doing it on purpose. Yeah. He, he thinks, thinks they think it's some, funny. Rap, some rapscallions there at the drive-thru. They're like, we're going to give this guy a tuna sandwich and he's never coming back. It's just funny. So it's, it it did make me averse to drive-thrus for a while, though. Mm. Growing up. True. I was like, Fair. I'm going to fuck you with the drive-thru. I think I'm going to go in. Right. <laughs> I have the toilet scene for most rewatchable, ba that's, basically because there's so many nitpicks in it too. It's just perfect. It's perfect yeah. for rewatchability. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're gonna do the rest of the categories. We'll take one more break. This episode is brought to you by Sonic. You know what sounds good after a long day? Ice cream. I love ice cream. Right now is the perfect time to get some. Sonic has half price shakes every night after 7 p.m. when you order online or in the app. Just think of it, all that creamy soft serve, hand-mixed with your favorite flavors for half the price in any size. Listen, a lot of people like goofy shakes. I like vanilla shakes. You can throw 40 flavors at me. You know what I'm going to order? You know what I love the most? Vanilla shakes. It's perfect because me and my family, at least once a week, we still all get ice cream together when we're together. Grab Sonic half-price shakes after 7 p.m. now. Exclusions apply. Available for a limited time only at participating Sonic drive-ins. What's age the best? The the condom stuff with the daughter that all pays <laughs> off with the rubber with the rubber plant joke is just classic cop humor where mm -hmm. the guys are all hiding the plant and then they walk away and it's just a hundred and he doesn't want to laugh and then finally he I just love that shit. That's the kind of stuff that makes a movie for me. So I, I, as a I'm I'm a kid when this is happening, right? Because this movie I see this movie on cable, right? I'm a yeah. kid when this is happening. My pops gets the joke way before I do. And when I say I've never seen somebody laugh with their entire soul 
like this man was laughing at that. Yeah. I didn't know what, when I first saw the movie, I was like maybe nine or 10. I didn't know what the big deal was. I, I didn't have any frame of reference to know that, hey, the condoms and sex and all of that. When he saw the other guy and the guy starts talking, my dad lost it. So I would watch that scene intently hmm. trying to understand what was so funny. And it wasn't until I, I had to understand condoms to understand that scene. So it was, but it, but now you look at it, a, a room full of cops, like a testosterone male workplace, and your daughter's about to go have sex on the Palace Verdes beach with this <laughs> black funk dude. It's like, yeah, of course. Great stuff. Uh, another would say it's the best. Chris, Young Dean Norris. Yeah. Yeah, mm. a little bit of hair. Him and Nestor Serrano just, just cruising around. It's great to see him. Mentioned the bad guy with the blonde Hitler hair. I don't know why he didn't try to do the wispy mustache. That would the, have been uh, too much. Too on the nose. Yeah. The bad guy South African accents we've mentioned, but uh, I'm just going to give special applause to who is the dickhead now, eh? However, he does South African. Chris, I thought for sure you would be unveiling a South African South accent African for this. South African is hard. It is You're saving it for do. the Blood Diamond podcast? That's right. I can do Leo being like Blood Diamond, but I can't <laughs> do... Blood Diamond. Yeah, I, it's really hard to do it. Joss Ackland, who plays the Russian diplomat in Hunt for October, is pretty yes. good with, with a variety of different Yeah, he's accents. good. Patsy Kensett. Age the best? It's a great job by her in this movie. Not sure what happened. Not sure why she wasn't in our lives and more stuff. I have some Tough. notes. Oh, you have some you, notes? You Go ahead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So like, wait, is, so Pat Kenson has no, her character has no culpability working there? Like Nothing. that's the only job she could get? Nothing. She's, she has no idea what's going on. <laughs> even as we, cases of cash and She's dead like, bodies are being Mr. brought out Mr. of the Mr. office. Rudd, here are the morning faxes. It's like, what do you think he's doing? Like, wait, where, who do you think you're working for? He's like, here's your coffee. I don't, I don't know how to explain that part. It obviously didn't bother Mel Gibson. Maybe that should have been a warning flag yeah. for all of us. <laughs> didn't care. It says your, your, your boss is not a nice guy. No. She, she looks great in this movie, though. She looks great. Your boss is upholding a racist system of division. <laughs> it, come on. You know what's going on. By the way, it was a tough crowd for her at that point. That was if for, for her at that point. So it's tough. You, you're talking about the golden age of Pfeiffer. It's like all the female singers that tried to come up through the Beyonce and Rihanna era. Yeah. Like you, it, it, it's just hard. Like, don't leave out, please don't leave out Greta Scotchy out of this argument. <laughs> <laughs> but there are a lot of them, is my point. Like, Meg Ryan's about to come on. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a crowded field at that point. My, uh, my buddy Steve Bishop, aka Bish, one, one of my best, best friends from high school, we actually got in a Greta Scotchy, Patsy Kensett argument once. In like 1989, 90 range. That was a thing that happened. Two, they were on each other's corner, mm -hmm. and yet Michelle Pfeiffer owned the corner, and they just had no chance. Michelle Pfeiffer is just going to be the first choice for everything. But anyway, great job by Pat. Was it, it was Patsy, right? It wasn't Patty. Patsy. No, it's Patsy. Yeah, yeah, Patsy. All right, I want to make sure I didn't get that right. The soundtrack, we didn't mention in Lethal Weapon. Should we Should we just mention one of the last big Patsy Kensett facts that we need to, to address? Oh, go, just go for it. She married Liam Gallagher. Mm. Mm. That takes a lot out you. <laughs> and that was like peak partying Liam Gallagher. Okay. Yeah. Well, she was also a, originally a singer in a band. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Big deal. The soundtrack, Eric Clapton, we forgot to mention Lethal Weapon won the pod yeah. review about that. 
Vic Clapton does all the guitar stuff in this. There's a George Harrison song in this. They just did a nice job with it. Uh, and then for What's Age the Best, just a decision not to have Riggs die. I think financially is Age the Best. Any other uh, What's Age the Best for you guys? I just think the introduction of like the Pesci, the the, yeah. the introduction of like the microwave man coming off the bench and just completely like injecting the movie with adrenaline in the middle of it and having him be really like such like a brilliant comic character. And it's it's hard to break through that chemistry with Riggs and Murtaugh, but like he's just like, it's like he's been doing it since day one when he shows up. Yeah. I got something that on, that I only think about because I did the Wire podcast. Okay. Nail guns. Yeah. Oh. Yes. This was the first time I had ever in life seen a nail gun. I didn't know. And I think they introduced nail guns like that because not a lot of people had seen nail guns. That's why the nail gun is such a big device. And another rewatchable scene where they fight in his thing, he uses the nail gun to kill all of those guys. That's the one that we missed too. I mean, it's just, I mean, you can't miss any. The whole movie's damn near rewatchable. But that nail guns and then the Snoop nail gun scene in The Wire, nail guns aged really, really well. Really important device for Snoop. What's Age the Worst? I had that nail gun scene in What's Age the Worst. Not the actual scene, but they shoehorn Glover after he kills him and he goes, nailed them both. Yeah. It's just like <laughs> that kind of, of really the tough. worst version of those yeah. bad 80s action It's puns. like tough to imagine like Riggs gets gunned down and Danny Glover's like, your diplomatic immunity has been revoked. <laughs> yeah. like, your boy is dying. Yeah. <laughs> um, more would Sage the worst. The, the love story, it goes on for like maybe three minutes too long. If, if you're looking for... This movie's still under two hours, which I think is great. But if you're looking for anywhere to edit, maybe we could have sped that part up a tiny bit faster. There's a random Donald Trump reference, which just kind of was like, ah! Mm -hmm. um, I have my number one choice for what's age the worst, though, is Riggs, especially in this movie, his bullet avoidance strategy of basically just diving on the ground and doing flips... <laughs> as like that's gonna avoid the machine gun if you just dive forward and roll and jump back up the the gunman's gonna be like whoa I, 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 where, what am I shooting at like I just have no idea I don't they film it in a way where it seems like this is such a great maneuver but I don't know if it would I think you would still get shot would Were be my Vietnam? take huh <laughs> <Vietnam>? fair <laughs> I was not I'm just asking like you uh, I feel like he has more to say about that. You know, he was in Nam. I think forces. if we work with a rifle, I think a machine gun is where it might go sideways. Because mm. you could just kind of move the machine gun left to right. It's like, oh, that guy's rolling. I'll now aim it this way. <laughs> uh, any other would say the worst? I didn't really have I, a I just ultimately this. think like, it, 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 we don't need the South African guys to have killed Riggs's wife. I, bro, yeah, fuck, it's fuck fair. your shit, Chris. I hate because that Because it's like, she, Patsy Kenza is his light at the end of the tunnel. It's yeah. like, I am becoming a full human again. And then they take that away. And that all makes sense. Narratively, she's working for them. They know who she is. They they kill them or whatever. Him being like, by the way, we have been operating this like criminal conspiracy in and around Long Beach and Los Angeles for years, in which time we killed your wife like yeah. before Lethal Weapon even started. And you guys just haven't been able to sniff us out since then. Like It's just an extra bit of motivation where it's like, if Patsy Kenzie is killed, I still believe Riggs pulls the house down on stilts. It's not yeah. like he needs like that extra bit of of a chip on his shoulder. I, I agree, and I and Bill knows from the um, from the New Jack City podcast that I hate it when they do that. 
Like when it's revealed that Nino Brown is actually the one who killed Scotty's mom, I'm just like, come on, bro. Like yeah. Nino's bad enough. We don't need another thing. I do think though that maybe the reason why they did that is because Riggs was so attached to his wife that they wanted to give him some closure. Maybe they're, you, you know what I mean? And yeah. Close the loop. But, but there's it, actually I, some like, kind of like, I like the fact that it might've been just like the one night he doesn't drive her home. She gets into a car accident. I, I think the story, I think it's more affecting that way. Yeah. To be honest with you. Uh, yes. Yeah, so I, I completely agree. And if or, I, obviously if I say what's age the worst, two things age the worst. Number one, this movie gotta be that guy. This movie is, Fucking just like classic copaganda. They break every single rule. Riggs has zero warrant when he goes into their house. You know, you know what I mean? Like they it, they they just are, and this is classic copaganda. Every single rule about policing that we're trying to add, they they break it now. And two, I just gotta say it again. Mel, fuck. God damn it. <laughs> but I'm not, that's the last time I'm going to say it. Jesus, Wh man. Why, Mel? Why? Why'd you do it, Mel? I'm, Maverick and Maverick to all of these other movies. I can't fucking even watch Hostage now. <laughs> you fucked the whole thing up, dude. Keep your fucking shit to yourself. Damn it. One other thing about the reveal with the wife. That actually just could have been the plot of Lethal Weapon 3. Ransom. Yes. yes. It could have been. Yes. They could have just yeah. saved that. Tucked it away. Uh, casting What Ifs. I only found one, but it is a bombshell the original choice to play leo before pesci our guy very near and dear to our hearts here the rewatchables joey pants wow had a conflict he was doing like a, la like the last movie, of the right? finest what is that? yeah i don't even know what that was uh and couldn't yeah, do it and so joey pants come on joey pants so anyway he, he paves the way for the joe pesci era he would have rocked it to be honest with you yeah, he would have been they great. They also were thinking about DeVito, apparently. Mm. Yeah. That doesn't work. Yeah. Too lovable. Uh, which leads us to the Joey Pants Award for <laughs> best that guy. So obviously, Josh Ackland's going to win because I didn't know his name until I saw this movie, but I knew him from Hunt for Red October and this movie and all this. I just never knew what his name was. Special shout out, though, to Boggs from Shawshank, who gets shot pretty early in this movie yeah. by the South Africans. He's it was great like, to see Boggs again. He's in Aliens, too, as is yeah. uh, Jeanette Goldstein, right? Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, Jeanette Goldstein. I gotta be honest with you. I could make an argument that all the cops are that, guys. All of the cops. I mean, not, not, not Dean, but it just dawned on me that the female cop that dies on the yeah. diving board is Edward Furlong's mother. And she's Vasquez and Aliens. And Vasquez and Aliens, yeah. And then the black cop, that guy with the curly hair, mm. he's, he, he's in Die Hard. He's in Die Hard. Like, and then one of the other cops uh, is also in Bad Boys. I, I could argue that all the cops are. There's a lot of that guys in this movie. The person who is competing most with Joss Ackland, though, is Jack McGee, who plays the dude doing the construction on mm. Murtaugh's house. And is basically oh, oh Jesus yeah he's a good that guy he is My in a hundred different things he's in the paper he's in rescue me he's in like so many different things Vincent Hanna give me all you got a word for best overacting the evil bad guy really over evils it in a way that I liked and enjoyed but he he definitely dials it up hmm. I think he's our winner also the, the, Riggs when Riggs is in full vengeance mode I'm not a cop tonight Roger yeah yeah, yeah you're right you're right. <laughs> Uh, the Dion Waiters Award. I think Joe Pesci's el eligible and he should win. 
he's eligible he's, he, to the extent that I would almost change the name of the award. The yeah, the award. Yeah. yeah, he's so amazing. Yeah, recasting couch. I don't know if I would touch this movie. I mean, I mm. guess I guess you could say one of the South African bad guys should be somebody that we know in some way. Like it could have been. I don't know, some wrestler from the 80s or something. Could have been like the ultimate warrior who's like the fourth South African, but uh, I don't want to nitpick with that. Half-assed internet research. We pretty much covered everything except for uh, Grand Theft Auto V. Pretty iconic video game. Um, one of the main protagonists finds out the wife is cheating on him with a tennis coach and then pulls the lethal weapon and pulls the house down on stilts as an homage to lethal weapon. That was the only uh, new piece of information I found. Apex Mountain. Gibson still probably not, but we're... At, after this movie, he could basically do whatever he wants for the entire 90s. And unfortunately, he can do whatever he wants, which leads to a lot of the Mel Gibson issues we eventually have. But uh, I, would stay, I would still say it's Braveheart. Glover, I think yes. And this seems like the perfect time for Van to give his these two movies were bad for Danny Glover theory. Okay, so these movies come out. Danny Glover is playing an older cop, but he's still actually only like in his 40s. Yep. Yep. And I think so th th this same decade, Danny Glover had done The Color Purple. He had, you know, uh done some other films. Well, he's places in the heart. I think he was in Grand Canyon. Grand yep. Canyon. I think the movie aged Danny Glover in our subconscious, like 30 years, which when you look at a 40-year-old actor then, or if you look at a, 40, a 45, 46, 47-year-old actor now, there were still roles that Danny Glover probably could have played. Like, but, like, he's, He's 74 now. He's only 74 now. Yeah. Yeah, he was you know 43 I mean? in this movie. Right. So that the thing about what's playing 50, 50 something. Right? Yeah, something. And when you think he's 43 in this film, think about what 43 is. I'm 41. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? And so when you when you look at it moving forward, I think the aging of Danny Glover in this movie kind of like it. It it took him out of contention for some roles that he probably should have been in. You know, that he some things that he probably should have been able to, to do. I was shocked how many movies he's been in. If you go look at his IMDB, he's he's like in 200 movies. And this is he's done a lot. Even since 2000, he's in like a hundred movies. He just has been working all the time. I would have assumed after the four lethal weapons, that was it. But he's no. he must like to work. You remember Predator 2? Right. Predator Two, Predator Two was almost the movie that to was where, supposed to be his star turn, like yeah, his star happen. turn to where it was going to be like Danny Glover can now go do this, but you kind of didn't buy it because, like, Murtaugh is feeble. Mm -hmm. He's the Falcon of this whole franchise. He gets his ass kicked every time. He wins just by guile or luck at the end. And Riggs is the young, hot, virile hotshot. I think it is the, the character sort of went on to define him. I think you're right. I think he got trapped by the character. Got Angels in the outfield, maybe the one time he was able to break maybe. out of it a tiny bit. Uh, Richard Donner, I'd probably say yes. I, I think at this point he owned a big chunk of this movie and and could do whatever he wanted to. Pat's I think also he wins whatever battle there is for the soul of this franchise from Shane Black with this movie. Yep. Because the Shane Black idea is obviously a lot darker and Donner's like, let's keep it light, let's have fun, let's make these movies and make some money. Patsy Kensett, obviously. <laughs> Evil South Africans. 
Yeah. Gotta be, right? Yeah. Um, bad things happening to houses on stilts. I'd say absolutely. Ramsey's condoms. Apex Mountain. Has there been a better, more important Ramsey's condoms Ramsey's moment? Ramsey's had a run, though. It did, but I, I don't... I think of this movie first when I think of Ramsey's. By the I late even, 90s, Trojans, I think, overtook Ramsey's. I don't know. I don't even know why Ramsey... I don't even know what Ramsey's is. Well, Ramsey's is a condom company? I never... I wasn't around. Yeah, it was like a yeah. Trojans rival. It was like the Pepsi to Coke's uh, Trojans. Well, who, why is, who, is, why? who is Ramsey? Is this like Ramsey like the... He's the like a pharaoh. The, oh, we're talking about the Pharaoh Ramsey. Man, why why the condoms gotta be domestic? Why we got like I, no Abraham Lincoln condoms? I also don't know why, yeah. Like why do they have to have like like why almost like be... classical connotations? You know, right. Abraham know. Lincoln condoms will set you free from disease <laughs> or pregnancy. <laughs> like that makes a lot more sense than like I don't know. Ramsey was bad. He was what yeah. he, he he was keeping my homeboys down over there. Whatever. Go ahead. I don't think they cared in the late 80s. Separated shoulders, Apex Mountain. Yeah. Ooh, let me think about this though. Trying to think of a better separated shoulder. Emmett Smith had oh, one oh. in the NFC Championship game that year. They played with, and he had like 130 yards. That was a good one. I feel like Tony Romo got dropped on his shoulder like a bunch of times by various Eagles defensive linemen. But well, I'm trying to think of like somebody with a separated shoulder who still was fighting through it and succeeding in some way. I think this Drew might Brees be. Breeze came back after the. Separated oh, that's right. Shoulder. Yeah, that's another. That's one. right. Yeah. Uh, diving board bombs, definitely. That seems kind of cool. It's it doesn't seem CGI'd. No, I think it's about. It's I mean, it might be a dummy, but it it's definitely a very. It's very. It's well pretty done. good. Nail guns, I say no. I think you Snoop. Think, I think Snoop and the Wire like that. Nail Snoop guns were an intricate plot device, and the Wire just seemed more yeah, important. I uh, agree. Uh, picking nits. So the helicopter comes in the opening scene. I never understand. Don't these cops see other movies? Just shoot at the blades. What are you guys doing? They're they're just like shooting at the bottom thing. Just sh shoot at the blade a but couple times. Stop the, the these blade. You'll cops crash. Break all the rules. They weirdly respect certain things. Like where they're like, oh well, they got diplomatic immunity. We got to stand down. You know what I mean? Maybe they're just yeah. like, well, we can't shoot at a helicopter. Well, another <laughs> another shooting thing was <laughs> you might be right. Another shooting thing was I don't know why they didn't kill Riggs. It's the classic action movie device where it's yeah. like. Should we kill this guy? No, let's actually give him a more complicated, longer way to die that he might be able to get out of. And before they, we throw him in the water, give him even more motivation to yeah. drive himself to get out. Yeah. Right. Taken's like this too, where they just could have killed Liam Neeson and take him, and instead they leave him just in handcuffs on a pole. <laughs> oh, no, like, right, you guys a, finish a, it. There was a reason why. Why? Because remember, I watched that so many times. He says, remember, if they dome him, and they shoot him a bunch of times, the people upstairs at the party are going to hear. Oh, so yeah. that's right. They have to wait. Yeah, yeah. so the guy the guy goes, uh, kill him, do it quietly. I have guests. So yeah. that's why they were trying to suffocate him or do it. But first they wanted to find out what he knows. So they tried to they, they half-ass explain that. Yeah, they could have put one bullet in him. Um, <laughs> or use the silencer, right? Which I'm sure they have access to. Um, I don't know if they were doing condom ads in 1989. I just flagged it. I can't remember. I, mean, I don't think I don't, so. I mean, they I'm going to say no on they that. They weren't really doing like cigarette ads in 1989. No. So. I'm going to say no on that one. And then uh, Riggs, thinking it was a good idea to bring his girlfriend back to her apartment 
after they just survived this <laughs> bullet barrage of t- for 20 minutes. And then he's like, all right, I'll see you guys yeah. later. Why can't she wrong? stay with Murtaugh's like, wife's sister in, in Bellflower? You know, like, She works for these terrible South Africans. They know where she lives. She's like, all right, talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> oh, by the way, we totally missed the Apex Mountain. Of where what? was it? Bellflower. <laughs> Oh, there's actually a really good movie called Bellflower that mm. came out a few years ago, though. Okay, I haven't seen that. So. Any other picking nits? Yeah, what's up? How come Riggs, when they go into the toilet scene, and Riggs is like, he's like, I was just so excited to read my my issue of Deep Sea Fishing, and Riggs is like, is that the one about deep sea fishing off the coast of Florida? And it's like. Do you guys read Deep Sea Fishing Magazine like that? Where you're like just on first name basis with the, the feature well with in the this issues? magazine? So yeah. My my problem with that scene is that it's Roger who has the boat. Right. So it's like Ro- to, Roger Riggs might. Know? Yeah. Roger might. Is that the one with the 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 article on deep sea fishing? Riggs wouldn't know that. Yeah. Like Riggs, like what what does Riggs know about? Yeah, Briggs is in a freaking trailer with his dog watching Three Stooges. He's not reading Deep Dive magazine. <laughs> right. Uh, which is my which is my picking nit, by the way. Yeah. This dog is poorly cared for. Riggs spends yeah. all of his time at the Murtaugh's, right? The the place is getting shot up. Yeah. Like, who's looking after this dog? Bill and I, I have this discussed this. Bill and I this, have discussed this, this in various formats. I think we did it on Hottest This tape. is an action movie trope. It's, it's an action nobody, movie trope. People leaving the dog for 15 in hours. In the 80s, there was just a different relationship to pets. And it was like, the pet will figure it out. Okay. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. Me and Kalika just went to, to Hawaii. We put Bozeman up in a $100 a night pet hotel to where before we went to sleep every night, we pressed the button, gave the dog treats on a thing that we could see. We could see him, right? right? Uh, we this would tap a button, like, and then he could hear us, which is probably torturing my little G, because yeah. he hears my voice, but I'm not right there. We did all of this. So when I'm watching this movie on, on vacation, I'm thinking, yo, who's looking after this dog? Nobody. It's- you know what? The streets. <laughs> the streets were looking after yeah. the dog. That's Listen, how we used the to do it. The dog will be fine. Yeah, yeah. It was like, the dog is fine. You would hire a 12-year-old for $2 a day to come by and open a can. And that was how the dog was taken care of. Well, the all-time dog negligence movie is Once Upon a Time in America. <laughs> Brad Pitt's dog is alone for days at a time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a trailer. It just uh, anyway. All right, could this be remade as a ten episode Netflix show? Next category, obviously not. Probably unanswerable questions. So, diplomatic immunity was. Is this a movie device or a thing? Is this a thing? If you have it, you can just commit crimes left and right. It's never really explored in the movie. I found it confusing. I did some Googling. It doesn't really seem like it's a real thing. And there is like I always get very excited content and like the current events when like issues of extradition do come up where it's like, you know, like a diplomat's wife got into a car accident in England, but they won't bring her back, but they refuse to let her go. Like it's, I I get into that just because I always imagine somebody being like diplomatic immunity after they commit some heinous crime. Yeah. The diplomatic immunity didn't work for Leangelo Ball. He went down there and like they didn't care. He wasn't from there. I know he's not a diplomat. I know, but at the same time, they threw the book at my G. Like they, like he went down there. First of all, can we just real quick? I want to pick nits about his life. 
I know you, you're looking at the clock, Bill. No, no, Why? I was, I was looking at the well, pool guy. <laughs> I want to pick nits about his life. Why on God's green earth did that boy go to China to play a game and steal sunglasses? Can, can any, have we ever talked about that? What was the expo- Why did that happen? Why are they stealing sunglasses? That's why he's holds. the that's why he's the black shop black sheep ball brother. He's like, who's the third Hemsworth? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know what I'm talking about? The shorter yeah, Hemsworth. Yeah, I know the guy. No, there's yeah, the shorter Hemsworth. Yeah. Yeah, that yeah, he's like that guy. The, somebody Brock. should make a show with all the third brothers. She's called that third brothers. Oh, yeah. Daniel Daniel Baldwin. We see the Baldwin that I guess yeah, he but didn't fourth. Daniel wind he, up being like the the cool Baldwin, or is he the one who got completely like red pilled? Which which Baldwin went out of it? The third is a third oh, Franco. Craig points out there's a third Franco. There's a yeah. third Franco. Yeah, there's third Franco. Oh Jesus Christ, Frankie Franco. Yeah. Um, the only unanswerable question I had is could could it actually work to pull a house down that's on stilts just with a truck? Because there's a lot of houses that have, you know, especially like in California on mountains and stuff. Could you actually do this? Well, I, my you, guess is if no. You, if you can, then those people are, they basically sign their own death warrant by getting into the house because an earthquake is going to come and destroy That's, the home. So I'm guessing that they took some liberties there. Uh, what piece of memorabilia would you want from this movie? <sighs> the surfboard. Surfboard's good. I'm gonna want the gold pin. Oh, yeah, that's, not, oh, that's good. Yeah. I think yeah. the surfboard's a good one. I think you keep the fake blood on it though. Bill, you asked about the Netflix series, and I do think obviously like the Lethal Weapon TV series came, I think it came and went. Yeah. Um I would least. I would like to see if we're just gonna play around the IP a little bit, is what happens when there's like a hype house type place and then in next door moves the South African consulate. <laughs> Are they still and like, evil? And like Logan and Jake are trying to do pranks. And, and the fucking drug dealing South African guys are like, you can't do any pranks here. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, me and my boys just tried this sick prank on these South African diplomats. <laughs> that would be good. I would pay That's a good one. Oh my god! You know what I forgot to put in Apex Mountain is this was the last Eddie Murphy starts the era of those like high school jackets. Oh yeah, Riggs is Beverly Hills jacket. Cop too, and then yeah. Riggs has his version. That was like a nice little four year run of varsity jackets that kind of came and went. I'd like to bring those back. Yeah, I think I I think they look great. I even think when Patsy oh, really? Kensett's dead wearing the jacket, I thought she looked great and then dead in the jacket. It's just I've never seen those jackets not look awesome. Yeah, my school is sending me one. Like I lost mine. Like it actually got mm. destroyed in Hurricane Katrina. And like huh. uh my like my school is like sending one. It makes you feel powerful and youthful to put on your leather jacket your your leather yeah. jacket. You're yeah. like, I'm you know what? <laughs> the fucking man right now. And that's why those guys wore them. They were in their late 30s still trolling around <laughs> wearing LA varsity wearing, wearing their varsity jackets looking like complete fucking tools but it worked I gotta say those things are fucking hot like they're, they're basically like wearing a fire retardant suit on the upper half of your body so mm -hmm. to wear those in LA is an aggressive move there's a lot of stuff <laughs> happening in, in all 80s LA action movies that is like pre-global warming 
that is like mm. everything that happens in the Hollywood Hills is just like a fire issue. Like now, like <laughs> you can't pull down that house without lighting up all of Mulholland Drive. Yeah, that's I mean? true. That would have been a fire for three and a half weeks. Right. Uh, all right. This is where Van tells us that Joe Pesci won the movie. Who won the movie, Van? <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I think Joe Pesci won the movie. I'll be like, I'm serious. I like I'll be honest with you. Obviously, Riggs wins the movie, right? Obviously, Riggs wins the movie. So this is more like a this is like a 1997. I'll tell you what situation this is. This is the 1997 Heisman Trophy. Or maybe it was 98. Remember the Heisman Trophy where everyone just assumed Peyton Manning was going to win the Heisman? And then so many people, because they assumed Peyton Manning was going to win the Heisman, uh, they voted for Charles Woodson and he just ended up winning Winning yeah. Charles Charles Woodson won the Heisman. That's who Joe Pesci is in this situation. So you're going to throw Pesci, your vote to Pesci knowing... I'm going to throw my vote to Pesci knowing this is how anthony hopkins went up with it when i won an oscar you know that right yeah well, bozeman's gonna win but i'm just gonna vote for anthony just don't, for the hell of it don't even get me fucking started <laughs> on that hopkins if is not, great if not for up uh, bill <laughs> god damn you if if, if not Van, for you other, can't come back you you've, you're you're uh, still oh, in timeout because you well, said that pesci is not as good as he is <laughs> in, and he's right. better than he is in Goodfellas. I, look, that that was look. Nah, I, I still got jet lagged. I, <laughs> I, I regret it. But look, what I like. What, what, but what I'll say is this: if not for other developments that night, you would have heard a lot more from me, <laughs> right, on you, that situation. Yeah, you're still doing victory laps, right? Yeah. But anyway, so that's that. That's the only explanation I can give for saying Joe Pesci. I'm just it, Riggs is so clearly the winner that I'm just throwing the bone to the other guy. Chris, you have Gibson. I have Gibson. So I think the right answer is Gibson wins the movie, but then the 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 title is vacated, like how we vacated NCAA yeah. football titles where there was cheating. After he's the, he's yeah. the Reggie Bush. It was yeah, he was Reggie Bush. <laughs> the title was vacated like 15 years later. So he actually, there's no winner of the movie. The title has been vacated. Wins the movie, but Pesci makes the movie. Fair. It's a great. How, one. How, how sad would how, how upset do you think uh, Mel Gibson would be if his title was vacated? And then it was given to Danny Glover knowing <laughs> how he feels. Oh, man, He's yes. probably against that. But the, but you know what the crazy thing is? They're boys. Those guys, though. they're friends. They're still boys. Yeah. It's just so odd, man. I, I just can't watch Hacksaw Ridge the same anymore. <laughs> 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 Hacksaw Ridge. When are we doing Apocalyptico rewatchables, man? <laughs> well, just for, for the listeners... Um, we're not done with action movies from the 80s when we went a little out of order with Lethal Weapon, but the next one I think we're going to do is Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh my God, Brigitte. Down the road, which brings an incredible argument with it of, was that actually a better movie than Beverly Hills Cop 1? I'm prepared to have that argument, but I, we'll, I we'll do that later in a few weeks. Uh, Chris Ryan, Van Lathan, it was a pleasure as always. Good to see you guys. Thanks for being a Mel, why? <laughs> That's it for the rewatchables. Next week, very excited to announce we are going to be back in the studio. The first time we have done a podcast all together in 15 months. Be Sean and Chris. And we are breaking out one of the most important movies we've ever done on this podcast. So stay tuned. Get ready. You have a week. 